Oh, Father God, we, um, Lord, we thank you for just lifting our eyes even so far, Lord. We all come in from different places and then we just catch a glimpse of the God Almighty, the one who's come to save, the one who is and was and is to come. Lord, we just ask that everything that we do, Lord, would point to you, elevate you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. You are the one who is, who's made a way and all of us come just with the little we have and we lay it before you and you're so gracious. You don't reject us. You draw us in. Oh, thank you. We can know the very presence of God today. Amen. Amen. We'll be taking uh, communion at the end of the service and uh, not squeezing it out. There'll be a, a nice bit of time to, firstly, as we're, we're told in scripture, to do business with God. And then secondly, to actually get into little groups and to, and to seek the Lord. And uh, in that moment, if you're near a, a Zoe and Andrew and Ashley, these guys we prayed for this morning, we're, we're sending them out a fresh way. So it's a great moment. Andrew and Ashley are here. Zoe is over here. And uh, they can tell you a bit about their story over coffee or in communion. But let's, let's in that moment get round the table with one another, look to Jesus, but also pray with one another, okay? So that's where we're headed. When I've done preaching, <laughs> once I've done with the Word of God, I'm not going to be done with the Word of God. But what I'll do is I will actually read Isaiah 55. And um, we're, we're studying Isaiah 54, but I'll read Isaiah 55. And Isaiah, the prophet, inspired by God, invites us to seek the Lord. And so we'll just have an opportunity as the band starts to lead us, just to seek the Lord. And I can say with all conviction and all assurance, we all, every single one here in the room online that can hear my voice at the moment, we all need to seek the Lord. There isn't one that doesn't need to seek the Lord. And so Isaiah invites us to seek the Lord. Some of us, we need to seek the Lord for salvation today. Might be your first week and you're really, really welcome. My name's Dan. <laughs> welcome but you really need to seek the Lord for salvation come to him he's so gracious but we need to seek the Lord some of us we may need to seek the Lord in confession come before him just repent as the Holy Spirit brings things to mind we just need to come to him and and just lay that stuff down and confess and bring it before the Lord we need to seek him some of us are going to seek the Lord for some of the things I'll be bringing out from scripture. Some of us will seek the Lord because right now in your life, there is a need that cannot be met by anything else. You've been told there's no other way, financial, physical, whatever it is, and you need to seek the Lord today. Whatever it is, we will all need to seek the Lord on behalf of ourselves, our families. And we're invited to seek the Lord. The thing is, not all of us will seek the Lord. We're all given the opportunity, we're all given the invitation by God to seek him, but we won't all choose to seek him today. And that's for a number of reasons. For some of us, it just feels like it's too much to seek the Lord. For some, maybe it's something that you want to put off till tomorrow. When you're feeling more in the mood, you'll put it off. For some of us, and things will come to mind, they might seem like blockages to seeking the Lord. Ah, oh, first I need to. And for whatever reason, some of us will choose not to seek the Lord. I want to say right at the start, the reason I'm laying it out there is because 
God himself invites us to seek him today. He says, come seek me. Come, you who are thirsty, come to me. And so that's where we're heading, an opportunity to seek the Lord. Let's read Isaiah 54. This has been our scripture last week and this week. Wow. Titled The Eternal Covenant of Peace. It says this, Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labour. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you. And we've been unpacking Isaiah 54 It was a word spoken in a season through Isaiah. It was a word spoken about a covenant to come through Jesus. It's a word spoken to the church today. And just to help us with our imagery, I've got some tents out. You can feast your eyes on these things. This is kind of what I picture as the kind of tent. I had a pop-up one. I mean, if if it helps. I don't know if I can... I don't know if this is going to help. Is this going to work? Okay. I'm not sure I'd want to be in this one in a storm. But we're to get into the mindset of camping. We're invited to see that. This is the picture, the imagery that Isaiah has for us. A canvas, stretching wide, lengthening cords, strengthening stakes. This is the picture that Isaiah's using. This is what God's saying. And and as, as we looked at, in many ways, we're like tents. We're temporary Mentally, we're like tents. We struggle to picture what we can't already see. And this is an invitation to be stretched out. This is actually Isaiah prophesying that the people of God will stretch out into the whole earth. This will be what happens. And you're here on an important day for Jubilee. You may not know it, but it's a, t- it's a day today with intent and... <laughs> nice. Okay, I've tripped myself up there. When I wrote that down here... That- yeah, but it's a day with purpose. And I'll be communicating what we see God starting to stretch us out in for the next seven years. How God's going to be speaking to us, using us, what he's saying in a fresh way. Last week, I called us through Isaiah and then through Jesus Christ, the one who has made a way so that we can be stretched out. The one who has made a way so that the nation that was desolate, unable to produce, actually now that nation has now produced over the, over the globe and is still extending to this day. To see great things in God, that's what we were exhorted to do. To see great things in God. To expect great things from God and to attempt great things for God. 
This is, this is what Isaiah is trying to catch us up in, to see, to expect, and to attempt. And we said that it's got to start with seeing. It's no good attempting some things if you haven't yet seen how great your God is. It starts with seeing, and, and those believers that were, were brought outside of their tents to see the expanse of the universe, and then it set their expectations on the one who can and will. Secondly, I announced that the necessary and good season of rebuilding has come to an end. It's come to an end. It's just, we're done. (laughs) It's good. We were called to it. God was using it. We needed to rebuild and reform. We were returning after COVID in many ways. And we need to do some work in the place and we need to do some work in our kids' work. We We need to improve some things. We need to set a good foundation. But we saw that actually it's the kind of work that can become an obsession and it can, it can captivate a church for its lifetime. You become inward looking. You start thinking about the needs of one another, how you can improve that colour just a little tiny bit. And we said, no, this season, this good season of rebuilding has come to an end. Does this mean that we won't have anyone returning? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that if anything breaks, we won't be replacing? No, no, it doesn't. Does it mean that we might not see some things change in the foyer to make us more expansive and more, more able to communicate with our community? No, it doesn't. It just means our eyes mustn't be on self and building up what is. We must transform our thinking. So I said last week, we can't stay here. Painted a picture that if we do, then we're in danger of the spirit, the mission's flame, dulling and dulling and it getting smaller and smaller. So we can't stay here. So this week, I want to call us to what we do see, something that stretches out, something that lengthens, something that extends. Francis of Assisi, I read this last week, said this, give up your small ambitions and come and save the world. How good is that? Give up your small ambitions, these small things, and see your God who has created the universe, who spans it with a hand and holds all the waters in the hollow of his hand. See it and come and save the world. I believe that the one who sees the greatness of God expects from the greatness of God and will attempt things for this great God. If you in your life have seen something of God. If, you've, if you just in prayer maybe, or just in a time of worship, he's just expanded your thinking. He's brought you outside of your tent to see what his nature is and what his creation is that points to his glory. Then I can guarantee that you're going to expect more from him and you're going to attempt some things for that God. You're going to feel permission. You're going to feel called and able. And there is nothing greater for us to be called to than to extend the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing greater. At the end of our lives, we'll look back and we'll all reflect. We'll all have times of thinking, you know, how did that go? And, and you'll reflect on this and maybe that conversation, that relationship. Any time spent extending the kingdom will not be looked back on with regret. I can guarantee you. I can guarantee it. This is something that we are called to as human beings to see the reign and rule of Jesus Christ extend to invite people into this gospel, to talk about the good news. But here's the thing, I think over a little while, believers who are called to spread the gospel have almost felt like they are called to share bad news with their neighbour, forgetting that gospel means good news. We kind of think, and we've been persuaded, whether it's by the world or just as things have got smaller, that actually it's bad news. 
And somehow you've got to break it to your neighbour and break it to your friend and, and your family that maybe doesn't know the Lord. Somehow you've got to break it to them, this bad news of God. Ah, oh, and we forget that it's good news. It's good news. Jesus Christ so loved the world. He laid aside all of his majesty, the glory of heaven, so that he could come humbly and serve. He would make a way, a provision for you and I and your friends and your neighbours and this community and the nation and the nations to come to know the living God. And that finding him will be the ultimate purpose. And finding him and enjoying him will give you such rich satisfaction in your life you cannot find anywhere else. It is good news. It's good news. Yeah? Come on. I'm seeing some nods. Taking those nods and I'm hearing cheers. It's good. It's good news. Oh, man. There's nothing greater than being a part of extending the kingdom of heaven. And so now that we're talking in this way, now that we're talking in the way that maybe we are seeing something of the greatness of God, maybe that is reminding us, oh yeah, wow. Maybe we are starting to expect spiritual gifts, prayers for healing. Maybe we are expecting, maybe we are starting to think, maybe actually this is an opportunity to attempt some things. Now we're in the realms of possibilities. Now it just means, okay, so which way are we going? Yeah? If before we were inside the tent going, I don't know if my Lord can. Okay, now we're outside the tent. Now we're seeing the greatness of God. Now it's just which way do we go? Now it's what's it going to look like? I've often prayed and, and leading the church, things, things sort of just shifted. And uh, before it seemed so clear cut and then I started leading. And I, was, I was like, oh man, it's, it's different when you're leading the church and, and thinking, do we, do we change some things? But what if? Okay, do you, do you look to to shift those, okay, but what about those people that are involved in that minute? Oh, man. And it becomes more complicated for some reason. But I'd often pray, Lord, would we be more effective for the kingdom if we were one church, one body, meeting in one place at one time? Or would we be more effective for the kingdom if maybe we were a bit more scattered? Maybe actually, maybe there were multiple communities. Maybe there was multiple opportunities for the kingdom to spread. I don't know. Would we be more effective? Lord, I don't want to disrupt things for no good reason, but would we be more effective for the kingdom? Would we see more people come into the kingdom? Lord, just, just show me whichever way I'm good with. I just want to know, Lord. If you were to come to Christ right now in Iran, then you would likely be born again into a house church movement because you are not free to worship publicly. You're not just going to openly say that stuff because you will be killed and your family will be impacted and your friends will be impacted. And so it's going to look different to how it looks in the UK, but the gospel's still spreading in Iran. And they're applying the same truths, the same, the same missional call from Isaiah to go, to spread out. They're applying it just in a different way. Glory to God. Still the church. If you were to become a Christian in Berlin right now, you wouldn't be able to meet in a public space because there's a government rule which means they cannot hire out public space like schools and nurseries to faith groups. So you're going to have to rent privately if you need a place big enough or you're going to have to meet in, in homes or you're going to have to buy a place, I don't know. But it's going to look different. If you came to Christ in the 2000s or just before in a New Frontiers church, you were probably meeting in a school, right? Do you remember those days? You're probably meeting in a school because at that time, we had no money to put together. We couldn't buy a place. Okay, we just need a big hall and schools seem to provide those. Different places, you're applying the same call of God in different ways. 
And as I look at our town, as I look at our area, the place that God has called us to, I see a town surrounded by villages. And I'm praying, Lord, so how would you use us? How can we extend the kingdom? How can we obey this call and be obedient? Just over time, as we've been praying and seeking God, it seems like this call to two parts. And together would be a call to lengthen, strengthen, and spread out. The first is that we would be Jubilee Community Church. There would be something of a central nature to this place. It would be like a resourcing hub. It would be something of a place of stability and strength that could offer things that smaller plants and smaller places of worship, you just can't do or you're going to burn out everybody. And so there would be something about this place that actually we would pivot over the coming years that it would become more like a resourcing centre. It would be able to provide those courses that are more bespoke, the marriage courses, the parenting courses. There'll be something about this place that can actually host a, a, a youth club that is bigger. Actually, if you're a youth and you're on your own in a village, I grew up in Danehill. I just didn't know any other believers my age. It's not an easy place to be. I'm not saying it's impossible. I had a wonderful church and small group but they were probably 30, 40, 50, which to me at the age of 14 felt like it might have been 60, 70, 80. But it's not easy, whereas actually if you've got a central place for community for young people, you can provide that. Actually, if this place pivoted to become, with its eyes looking at how can we resource the mission going out, not how can we fold everything inwards, but how can this be a place of resourcing? And I think God's done so much along that line He's been preparing us. So much has been doing this, but it's certainly going to change a little bit of our thinking. A central Jubilee location, but that has to come with Jubilee communities. This word Jubilee communities, I'm talking about believers gathering as bodies in smaller locations around East Grinstead. That we would be reaching out to these locations, to places in my mind like Copthorne and Crawley Down places like Lingfield and Forest Row, there would be a group of believers that are looking to serve that place. That over time we would look to resource those communities in a way that would get them thinking missionally, how can we reach out to our neighbourhood? That would get them thinking about the poor. How can we meet the needs in our community? That would get them thinking, how can we gather together We can see over time that small groups would would gather together but would be based upon location so that when they gather together, you suddenly have a community of believers. We can see some things coming in the coming years. And it's our hope that Jubilee communities will be formed in these locations to serve, love, to worship, to bring the kingdom locally. Time and again, God speaks about this word that is afar, If you're a gentle, you were a Gentile, you were a a long way from this message of God with us. But what the gospel does is it it comes close. The message puts it, the message version puts it, God has come into the neighbourhood. And we're called to follow God. And there's something of this that we would come into the neighbourhood. I see us prayerfully over the next six months identifying together a location, the first one. Somewhere that we see the favour of God on, somewhere we see actually believers with a passion and calling, somewhere that has its own community identity. 
I see then moving on from there the opportunity of us defining what we mean by certain terms, clarifying roles, logistics, the method. How are we going to do this without burning out this? I see us attempting to launch our first community later in 2024. We mustn't hold back. There's something of the urgency. When we were praying around the streets in these different places over the summer, some of you joined us, which was lovely. It was just like, I came back, the main thing, it wasn't like we heard writing in the sky, this is the one, this is, it was just, there are thousands of people here. Oh my word. Just walking around, do you remember walking street by street, we did this a few summers in a row, just walking street by street, praying in your neighbourhood, just gets you out of your home, out of your tent, and you go, my goodness, this is, the gospel is good news. It's good news. And there's an urgency to this spreading of the gospel, friends. Our 2020, 2030 vision, sorry, for the next seven years is therefore to have a thriving central church here, but that this church would more and more look to resource and look to enable communities slightly further out, slightly further out, slightly further out that we would extend, we would stretch out, we would lengthen, and that we would strengthen. I actually see in the coming years that actually here on a Sunday morning, we would still have a vibrant service. Don't you worry about that. But actually, maybe there would be 30, 40, 50 believers not present with us. Because actually once a month, they're going to look to meet as a community in their location. I don't see this as being something that every single week we're going to go straight away and everyone going to that. No, but once a month, they're going to meet in their location, then come back in. And I see something of every single week, 30, 40, 50 of us, not here, because one week it's going to be Forest Row, and the next week it's going to be Copthorne, and then it might be Crawley Down, and then it might be Lingfield. But there's going to be something of that element that we're going to, oh man, this looks like something here. It's going to impact this place. I see us in doing this, in this way, releasing more preachers, releasing more worship leaders. It's not going to be a satellite where we're going to zoom in with you in these communities. No, no, no. We're going to need new preachers to start preaching in those places. It's not going to be just, okay, here's a handout. No, no, no. We're going to need these places each to be looking to stretch out and widen out and broaden out. I see this in us carrying a fresh concern for the lost. But actually right now, being a big body, it's like, oh man, we're doing, like, it's quite a noise, isn't it, when we sing, like, wow. What? And it is a joyful thing, and we should always remember coming back together. We're told, don't stop doing that. The Word of God specifically says, don't stop meeting with one another. But we're not done. This isn't the sum total of what we're called to in our day, surely. There's more. William Carey, the hero that I was kind of unpacking for us last week, who who sensed the call from Isaiah 54, our scripture, to go, and he went to India. He said this, I would rather attempt much for God and be unsuccessful than be found successful in something unremarkable for God. Oh boy. I would rather attempt much for God and be unsuccessful than be found successful in something unremarkable for God. We're being called to stretch out, friends. We're being called to attempt something fresh, new for this church that hasn't been done before in this place. 
Do we foresee any challenges? Okay, let's move on from that question. (laughs) I think the first hint of challenge comes in Isaiah 54, when it says, let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Now, I've been around some of you when you have been stretched out. And you've been stretched in certain areas. Maybe you've been given a promotion. Maybe your family's grown a little bit. Maybe you've been given this opportunity or that. Or, or it's, maybe it's actually been a, a negative thing. Maybe it's been a health issue has caused you to be stretched as a person. It's like, and you're not always pleasant when you're being stretched out. Let's, let's not pretend that being stretched out is something that we go, oh, glory to God. Oh, you know, it's like, no, there's something of, uh, like it's maybe uncomfortable. Maybe it's going to cause a, a, something of a, a pulling in this way. And it's like, oh man, but, but God's stretching you out. Oh man, God's done this at some moments in my life. And it, some moments have been so hard. And some of you have got me through it. I've walked with you. I even had this one picture of a balloon. It was like, I was in such a low place. He just, God had to give me a silly picture to make me laugh. And he, and he just said to me, the full potential and glory of a balloon is what? And I was like, well, when it's inflated... And he said, do you think it's an enjoyable thing for the balloon when it's small and it starts getting the air pumped in? I was like, well, it probably feels like stretching. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing, God. He wants us to expand. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And what a failure. What if it doesn't work? I'd remind us that Jesus Christ, the one we follow, the Lord and Saviour, he died. He was put to death. It looked like utter failure in that moment. Oh, wow. Surely he came to bring in a new kingdom and and now the one that we're supposed to be following has died. And yet, God the Father raised him to life again. Even dead things can be used in the kingdom. There may be some church plants you've heard of and they maybe didn't work. Hey, maybe God's still using those things for his glory and and your good. So failure doesn't even have the same edge that it did before. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. He takes away all the fear and shame and and he gives permission to start trying some things and attempting some things. And I'm not just saying as a church we're going to attempt stuff. I'm praying that as believers individually we will start attempting some things, some new things. Attempting stretching out. Attempting praying for our friends. Attempting some stuff at work. Isaiah 54, fear not, you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. Do we foresee challenges? We do. So does the Lord, and so he speaks into us. Even in Isaiah, he's called this, this, this tent to be stretched out, reach out and lengthen and strengthen. He's given this broad picture of the kingdom growing and expanding. And then he's so kind as our God that he then says, fear not. Why Because he knows we're prone to fear. You will not be ashamed. Why? Because he knows the enemy would love to lay on shame in your life. Be not confounded. Why? Because he knows we can be tempted to be confused. What is the mission? Oh, I thought I was going this way and I thought I was going that way. For you will not be disgraced. Why are you not disgraced? For the maker is your husband. You were once a people without a husband, disgraced. There was, there was no way, you had no God of your own. But Jesus Christ has come. Emmanuel, God with us. There is now a wedded people. Our maker is our husband. 
So there are three things, shame, fear, confusion. These are just well worth hearing the warning of scripture on, I would say. God knows what he's doing when he he brings some things up. Shame is this, that my past, my present, or even my future, and all of its human nature, its sinful nature, would somehow be a cap on what God can do through me, through the church. That's how shame works, and it works in your life, and the enemy likes to remind you of things, and he sometimes reminds us, and shame comes when he reminds us of things that are not your fault. You need to be aware of this, because there are no limits with the enemy. Sometimes it's things, it's situations that maybe you were born into. Maybe it was family, and and it's not your fault, the family you're born into. Maybe it was a family that didn't have something or did have something. Maybe you didn't have a dad or you actually had a dad that was very harsh. And it, that, was, that was hard. And the enemy would look to remind you of that and, and lay on you that as a reason that you cannot be used in the kingdom. So there are some things that are outside of control. It is not our fault, but the enemy would still look to lay shame upon you. There are other things that we have done. And we just need to face up to it. There are some things that the enemy reminds me of and will remind you of, which are true. They happened. Things in your past that you did or you should have done and you didn't do. And it's like the enemy likes to remind you of that. And in those moments where you think, oh, maybe God would like to, oh, but I did that. That is a moment where the enemy would like to remind you of shame. And what does he say here? Do not be ashamed. You will not be disgraced. You will forget even the very memory of shame in your life will be lost because it will be such a, why? Because he is a redeemer. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer and redeemers turn around and bring you through in such a way that even the very memory would be wiped away in your life. Shame is dealt with. Secondly, fear is dealt with. Do not be afraid. If our theology is strong, then we know that perfect love casts out fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. Why? Because our confidence is based on Jesus Christ and what he has done. If it was based on me, then there is every chance that this thing would not work. But we're looking to base it on him. I'm looking to follow him. We are looking to follow him. Do not be afraid. Bam, would you guys come up? Because they're going to lead us in a time of worship in a minute. I'm hoping it's going to be a time where it elevates our eyes to God. Lastly, confusion though. The last thing we're warned against. Shame, fear, confusion, all of it undone and dealt with in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Confusion, do not be confounded. Habakkuk 2 even reminds us that we're to write the vision plainly so that the herald can grab it, cry out, even on a run. We're to make the vision plainly. Oh God, we need your wisdom to help us, to do things that we have not yet tried. I would say this, whenever you first hear faith and you first hear an attempt for God, and it might be one of your friends telling you, I'm going to have a go at doing this. I'm going to have a go at work, at at praying for someone. I'm going to have a, every time you first mention something of faith, it sounds silly. Every time. Sounds like, well, how's that going to work? I mean, honestly, you're you and I'm me. And how's that going to work? How are we ever going to manage that? Don't you know, Dan, we're already stretched. How how is that ever going to work? Don't you know? Faith always sounds silly first time you say it, but we're called to believe. 
We're called to believe in faith. And when you read Isaiah 54, if it does not cause you to expand your thinking, then you're reading it wrong. It has to. And all of this because our maker is our husband. So good. So good. You're catching it. It's not because God says you're going to get rich. Like do this because there's a, there's a bonus at the end of it. It's not that. It's not because it's going, to make you, it's going to make you happy on this earth and he'll make you comfortable. He hasn't promised that. What he's promised is himself and that is the most glorious thing he could ever offer you. If he pointed to anything else, then that would be an idol because he is the one true mighty God. So he says, I've given you myself. What a treasure. What a treasure. Oh, come on. Would you stand with me, if you're able? It's such a tender time. It's like a shoot is just being shared. It's like something's just breaking out. And we need to seek the Lord. Remember, we're going to seek the Lord as we go into worship. Isaiah 54 follows Isaiah 53 about this suffering servant. And we get a picture of Jesus. Then Isaiah 54 comes and we get this message of a kingdom that will grow and expand and it will baffle the world and it will cause wonder in the heavens. And in Isaiah 55, then we have the Lord who says, because of this vision, because of what you see, seek me. Please don't run off without me. Please don't think you can do this on your own. So, church, come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labour for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live seek the Lord while he may be found call upon him while he is near call upon the Lord can we just start to do that I invited you at the beginning and said there's an invitation to seek the Lord and without exception we all need to seek the Lord and that may sound to you especially if you think this is my first time that may sound like a big thing to say but we need him for everything. Salvation. We need to repent to him. Come to him if there's anything blocking. Just lay it at his feet. If you need an answer to prayer, if you need breakthrough, come to him. If nothing else, come to him with this vision of a church that would be looking to stretch out a centre that's like a resourcing hub, but also communities that are reaching out with compassion and love. Come, seek him. Amen. Hey, my name's Dan Baptist and I'm lead pastor here at Jubilee Community Church. We really hope that something from this morning's word has blessed you and reached you. And if you'd like to talk about anything you've heard or just be able to talk about maybe faith or get some prayer, then please get in contact. You can email us, give us a call at the centre and one of the team's going to get back to you. We'd love to do this, especially if you're just thinking about what it is to become a Christian. You want to sit down and really talk that through with anyone. 
We also run regularly on a Sunday some joining the church courses. And if you want to know more about Jubilee Community Church and what it is to belong here, then you can just uh, find out online when the next one of those is going on and you can attend, have a meal, sit down, talk about it. We also have some amazing midweek group life uh, where it's a great opportunity to dig further into your faith. Again, you can find out that on our website too. Anyway, just wanted to say hi and uh, bless you and we'll catch up soon.